welcome to the Teen Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy, and today we are talking about ADHD with Siri Payne. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. I have gotten some requests from you guys about doing a podcast on ADHD. And so I figured rather than me doing it, I could have somebody that actually knows more about ADHD than I do. And so I've invited Siri Payne on here today, and she is a your teacher. I, I'm going to introduce you a little bit, and then I'll have you introduce yourself, and you can correct anything that I say wrong, but you have a master's in education. You work with kids with ADHD. You have three teenage daughters with one, one with ADHD, and then your husband has ADHD. So I am so excited to have you on here today to kind of answer some questions about ADHD and just hear your perspective on what it is and how it can actually be viewed as a superpower. So welcome, introduce yourself. (laughs) Well, I think you did a great job. I am Siri, um, like the iPhone. I did teach special education for a lot of years. I am now currently just a full-time life coach. So I don't work with um, the students anymore with ADHD, but I think somehow my, my, I don't know if it's my marketing or my niche or what I do in the coaching world, but almost every one of my clients also has ADHD because they're those creative entrepreneur type brains that are really amazing. And they don't hear the word no, and they take an idea and they run with it. And they, and that is kind of what a lot of entrepreneurs that tend to be successful need. And so I just work with lots of women that also have ADHD. So it's kind of around me a lot. And I just really like to empower people to be as successful as they can with that superpower, as you mentioned. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much for coming on today. I appreciate it. I always love it when I have guests and it's just, you guys, whenever we have guests, they are giving up their time for free to talk to you guys about their subject that they are, I would say you're an expert on maybe, <laughs> but you have you a, passionate, that okay, word. passionate, but you have a lot of experience with this. So just thank you so much for being here today. So I think for those of our listeners who don't know what ADHD is, can you just describe to us what the, I mean, we hear it a lot, but what does that actually even mean? No, so ADHD is one of the most common neurodevelopment disorders in children and teens. So it's very common. And it actually stands for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder. That's what the ADHD is for. But the really funny thing about ADHD is the people that have it actually have a lot of attention, but they just have attention on many things. So it's really hard for them to stay focused on just the one thing. So it appears that they are having a deficit in the attention, but really they're hyper aware most of the time. So people with ADHD, they may have trouble paying attention. As I said, they may get easily distracted. They might struggle with impulse control or have, um, like do behaviors without really thinking about what the result may be from them, or they might seem to be overly active and or hyperactive, right? They might be fidgety. A teen with ADHD can kind of present in those same ways, but it may look like having trouble getting organized in their school or really prioritizing tasks and assignments. So sometimes they're just not sure what to do next. And then they start to feel overwhelmed. They might, as I mentioned, fidget. They may struggle to sit still. They might talk too much or sometimes the exact opposite with ADHD. They might get overwhelmed, so they shut down and they might withdraw and they might sleep. They sometimes often have trouble meeting deadlines or completing a task all the way through the end. They may um, seem to be checked out, as I mentioned, ignore instruction or people around them. 
And they might not seem to be paying attention for most of us that are watching them. But most of the time that I have noticed when working with them, they're paying really good attention and they actually know exactly what you say and can say it word for word. But as a person observing them, it may feel like they're not paying attention. All right. Thank you. That's a pretty good description. It kind of describes what it looks like from the outside and then also kind of a little bit of what's going on inside their brains. How do you know if you have ADHD? So unfortunately, there aren't any medical tests to diagnose ADHD, but what happens is you go through um, a professional and these professional evaluators will use questionnaires or checklist type of surveys in order to diagnosed with ADHD. So the adults that are in the children's lives, the parents, the teachers, grandparents, people that have interaction with the children or the teens, and maybe even the child themselves, depending on how old they are, they will be asked to fill out detailed questionnaires about their child's behavior, about how they function at school, at home, and in social situations. And then based on the answers to the questions, the medical professionals will determine if a diagnosis of ADHD is appropriate for that individual. This is, I think this is going to be different for everybody, but in the title, there's the word disorder, right? Is that helpful in a way that can help somebody with ADHD be like, okay, I have this and empower them to make changes or know how to work with their brain? Or does it kind of like bring shame and embarrassment and disappointment in themselves? What do you think with that diagnosis? <laughs> I think you, you were right when you mentioned it could be different you know, thought process for everyone. But for the most part, the people that I tend to work with, and maybe it's because they are seeking the help of a life coach to help them get their life in order because of their quote unquote disorder, they do have a lot of shame. Some of the ways they act um, out or the ways that they show up and the ways they think other people think about them, right? When they're late, they tried their best to get there and then they feel shame and guilt. And they're worried that other people are thinking that they're not being respectful of their time or that they're being lazy or whatever. And so I think there is a lot of shame or negativity sometimes with people that have it. And I just really enjoy empowering them to realize that that part of them is such a superpower. And if we just can use some tips and tricks and strategies to help us get out our superpower and to be more successful, then we, those brains with ADHD are imaginably wild and creative and, and super successful. And so I really like to help my clients get out of that shame and guilt and realize the power that they have. And then just like the rest of us, we all have powers in some way, and we just have to learn to have how to hone in those and what are our obstacles and strategies to getting those out. So for anybody listening, if you have been diagnosed with ADHD or you think you might have it, an official diagnosis isn't to shame you or to make you feel bad or anything like that. It really is actually to bring awareness to what is going on inside your brain and to help you function better. And so I think getting an official diagnosis, I think it's more beneficial don't you think to be like, okay, now I have, a, I know that I have ADHD, all this stuff has been going on. Okay. Now I can work with it. I am like on the fence with that. And it just kind of, <laughs> but here's why all those years of special education, right. And the parents are like, do they have this one diagnosis? So for me as a teacher, I wasn't going to teach them any differently. So I would maybe assume 
or think that they had ADHD, for example, but I would still teach them just like I maybe would all the tips and tricks and strategies and, and the lesson planning that I would for either a normal neurotypical child or a child with ADHD. So as my point of view, it didn't matter, right? Like okay. if you think you have this problem in this certain area for all of us, whether it's this diagnosis or another one, we can still learn and say, okay, I probably do. That's great. If you want to maybe like go, get on medication for your ADHD, or if you want to receive some kind of um, therapies or counseling or something of that nature, then maybe you do want a diagnosis to be able to then access that world. But okay. I always tell my clients, if you're not interested in possibly medication, or if you're not interested in maybe seeing a therapist you know, to help you with these kind of diagnoses or a coach then maybe you just say, yeah, I really present with it. I have a lot of the characteristics and that's great. And I'll just start learning about it and start seeing how I can strengthen some of my weaknesses and you can go on. So it just depends on if knowing really makes you so confident that it just allows you to grow in certain areas, then let's find out. But if you don't think it matters, then let's not. Some of my clients do end up finding out as I'm working with them, they may not be well aware that they have it. And through the time working together, it may come out a little bit and suggest that possibly they do have it. And them then getting that diagnosis is kind of twofold. They love then looking back on their life and being like, oh, that makes so much sense. I can see this and this and this, and it puts some puzzle pieces together. But then mm-hmm. sometimes there's a little shame of guilt of like, why did I wait so long? How did I not know my poor kids? Now they have it and I haven't helped them. And so it's just kind of like, what do you think about getting that diagnosis? And if you think it's going to empower you to check into it, then go do it. So I know you don't have ADHD, but your husband does, and you have a daughter, a teenage daughter that has ADHD. So are you able to kind of describe through their eyes a little bit of what it is like to have ADHD? Yes. So I asked them and I also asked many of my clients because I have learned so much from them to be able to even help them even more. Cause I just didn't really know what it was like, right? I can see how it presents and I can see some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses, but I didn't know what it felt like inside. So I have been told a lot of times it feels like a Ferrari engine, but like you have bike pedals trying to run it. So you have all this energy, all this whatever excitement knowledge, but then like only bike pedals running it, or people have mentioned like a blender with the lid off. So it's just very supercharged, very super fast. Mm -hmm. Someone else mentioned that it's like a cup that's getting too full. So you're pouring a cup of water and it's all the way full, but you have no way to like use all that water, right? You can't drink it up fast enough and you have no way to stop it from running over. And so what I've noticed because of some of those characteristics, and maybe the listeners can uh, identify with some of those, is it's really hard for them to think ahead and to plan the steps that they need to do something. And we call that executive functioning skills in that ADHD educational world. It's just really hard to plan out stuff. And so sometimes they can get a really great idea, but they don't really see the end picture or even the next step to get there. And so then they get defeated and overwhelmed and, you know, talk down to themselves. But if they could just have, um, the advantage of help getting help with executive functioning type skills, then they can take their amazing, wild, creative ideas and make them actually be the results that they want. So sometimes during a task, they might actually get hyper-focused. So I like to say that's like the gas pedal on the floor now. And so it's just going and they just go. And so as a parent or as a teacher, you might think like, hello, and answer me. And they just can't get out. of. They're like in a zone, they call it. Mm-hmm. And they just get so hyper-focused. They forget to eat or they forget what time it is. Or sometimes they forget to go to the bathroom and they just forget to do stuff because they're so hyper-focused on what they're doing that they might forget what else around them needs to get done. Right. Which actually is kind of like one of those superpowers that's part of ADHD is that focus 
aspect of it where you can just really focus on something for a very long time and not be interrupted by anything. Right. And so that's what I work with my clients. And I would tell the listeners as well as like make plans for when that does happen, that you can then do things in your life that I can explain it from a mom point of view, but like, sometimes we say like, okay, as a mom, they want to always like feed their kid dinner, but every once in a while, they're going to be in this really creative zone and they're going to be really hyper-focused. And so what we have done is created schedules that give them self-permission that maybe once or twice a week, their family maybe doesn't get a dinner, or maybe they always have like a frozen pizza in their freezer so that on those types of nights, they can just put that in for dinner. So although they would maybe like to have a a good home-cooked dinner for their kids every night, there are some times where this hyper-focus is really serving them. And so if you can set yourself up in your life to not beat yourself up and shame yourself for missing quote unquote, those things you were thinking important and really be appreciative that you got something done that was really important too, then that way you'll be more successful in those types of hyper-focusing. So you don't have to stop, go do whatever life is throwing at you and then come back. Cause sometimes what they tend to tell me is it's really hard to get that hyper-focus back. I love that suggestion of just giving yourself time and being almost kind to yourself and letting yourself, okay, this is my brain. This is the best way my brain works. And I'm just going to let my brain do its thing. Right. And I also be your own best advocate. If you know that that's something that you, I guess, struggle with or deal with, let your maybe parents or people around, you know, like, you know, as me, I'm thinking, oh, my daughter needs to do her chore. And I'm like, Hey, go do your chore. And she's like, I'm right in the middle of something. And so of course my middle is go get your chore done. But because we have had that opportunity to realize and talk about how that distraction could really not benefit her, it's then allowing me to be like, okay, but when you're done with this, go get that thing done. So be your own best advocate to the people around you and let them know, Hey, I'm in this hyper focus zone. Can you just let me to do this? Is it really important that I do it now? Can I do it later? Kind of thing. Yeah. So communication is really important. If you have ADHD, communicating your needs and kind of what's best for you. Yes, for sure. And so once you can kind of figure that out, let people know around you so that they can understand you and how, much you're trying and how much effort you're giving. Cause you are giving a lot of effort just like everybody else. But sometimes we may not think it, you know, like if from that mom perspective and I ask her to go do her chore and then I come back 10 minutes later and she didn't do it. I might think, you know, she's being lazy or disrespectful or not listening, but really she was in the zone and she chose, right? Like this thing was really important. I'm really focused on it and I'm going to get it done. And then I can go do my chores. Yeah. So I think we have this misperception about people with ADHD a little bit that they are an organized and they're lazy and they're disrespectful or kind of like this view that they don't care. So can you correct us on that view? (laughs) Yes, I love it. That is true. When I ask clients, what do they wish we neurotypical brains knew about them? It was that, that they do care, right? They care so much. They're just having a hard time focusing. And so that really, I spent a lot of sessions sometimes helping clients work through that because they have felt bad for so long for letting people down around them. And they're not trying to let them down. It's just really hard for them to do some of those things that maybe we take for granted, like being on time, right? They're not being lazy. They don't have a lack of willpower. They just maybe have a hard time getting started because they are really seriously confused of what would be the next step. So they've asked us, you know, just be patient with them. They're not trying to forget stuff right? Um, don't interrupt them when they're in the zone, if it's not important, right. Or if it's not a time, time sensitive task, just let them do their thing. 
And I like to also remind them that procrastination is something that people with ADHD tend to think they really suffer from. If you want to say suffer, right? If procrastination is bad, but I like to give them the viewpoint that it's not necessarily a bad thing. Procrastination can actually be something that propels them, something that provides them with the incentives they need to get something accomplished. So many of my clients, they want help with procrastination. We try to create opportunities and schedules and we identify tips and strategies that they may need. But the one thing is that if they're not beating themselves up or if they don't have to like shame themselves, like, oh, I knew about it on Monday, but I didn't get it done till Friday. If all of those feelings in between Monday and Friday didn't exist, then procrastination for them is really a cool thing. And so they just know, Hey, on Friday night, I'm going to get this thing done. They don't yeah. have to worry about it for the rest of the week. And then they, they get to use that deadline to really propel them and allow them to accomplish what they want to do. Yeah. And kind of get themselves into that super focused. Yeah. And just look forward to it all week rather than beating themselves up that, oh, I always procrastinate. I'm such a bad student or I'm such a whatever. It's like, no, like that's when I'm going to do it. And I'm going to be really excited and it's going to be amazing. And then all week long, they get to actually look forward to that time rather than feeling like they're procrastinating and not getting it done in time or whatever that means. Right. Sometimes I wish the word procrastination didn't even exist. (laughs) I do feel like when we use that term, there is a lot of shame involved when it's like, no, I'm not procrastinating. Like that's just when I plan to get it done. And sometimes that's okay when you plan to get it done and it's close to the deadline. Right. I think we all do stuff based on the feelings that we're going to get from it. So people are like, how are you not a procrastinator? And I'm like, well, because the feelings I feel knowing I have it over my head, create such anxiety and overwhelm that I want to hurry up and get it done soon. But like maybe another person getting it done soon may feel like, well, then I'll just be doing it forever. So I just, I'm just going to wait and put it off until I have to get it done. And so it's really like what feelings are propelling you and when do you want to get it done is what I like to ask my clients. And then we create schedules for that to happen. But some people are like, if I know I have two weeks to get it done, there's nothing lighting a fire under them to get it done. So don't try to right? Or then we just keep missing the ball and keep feeling like we're not getting it done and we're not scheduling and we're not honoring our schedule. And then we just beat ourselves up. So just plan to get it done when you know that you're going to have the most success and to, to actually get the results that you want. Yeah. In learning about ADHD, one of the things that um, I've heard is like structure is your friend. For teens that have ADHD, how can they implement structure into their lives so that they can get the things done that they want to get done without getting distracted? Yeah, so this is a really great question. And what I think I have to share will apply to everyone. So even if you don't have ADHD, just listen up because this will help everybody get the structure that they want, right? So the one thing is like lots of times we think they need structure. They need their structure, right? They don't need the structure the parents applying to them or the teacher. We have to figure out what that structure looks like for us because it's going to look differently, right? Schedules aren't one size fits all. So to become more organized, to be able to have that structure and and to be able to achieve the goals, then I feel like we need to know the answers to these two questions. We need to know what's important to us and why is it important to us? So to help you as teens develop or determine some of these answers for yourself, maybe ask yourself things like, what do you enjoy? What do you want to accomplish this school year or this summer? What kind of things do you do that makes you happy? You could even decide like, what if someone was to give you, if you had 24 hours, let's say, and $500 to do anything you want, what would you do? Another one, these are kind of a little deeper, but if when you die, what is something you hope to be able to say you did or achieve? 
right? Or like if you die tomorrow, is there something that you would regret not having done or not having taken the chance to do? So these kind of allow you to look a little more forward, a little more past. So you're like, oh, if I died, I'd want people able to say I achieved this thing. Well, we're only 15 or 16 over here and that thing's in our 50s. Well, what do we need to be doing now in order for that thing to happen? So it allows us to really decide what do we enjoy now, but also what are those stepping stones that we need to maybe be considering to get us on to the path that we hope to do. So those types of question of above then will allow us to discover our priorities. And so knowing our priorities allows us to know what do we enjoy doing and why do we like doing it? So priorities are often like in the areas of like health or learning or academics. It's like relationships for, you know, teens and and in all of us, right? Relationships, friendships. It might be in the areas of like our happiness, our friendships, our work, our career, our spirituality. So just allowing you to decide what really makes you tick and what do you want to focus your life on? So once you've determined what your priorities are, and I always encourage all of my clients to only select like four or five at the most. Then you want to ask one by one, why is that thing a priority? So ask yourself, why do you want to focus on that thing being a priority? And if you do, what is the result you're going to expect to get in your life if you make that thing a priority? So that why is very important because it really provides a deeper clarity. And that's where the motivation stems from to allow you to keep going when the goals get a little bit hard to achieve. So you don't want to skip that why of why you want that thing to be priority. And so once you've figured out your priorities, then you define your actions that you will do daily or the priority or the actions you will do weekly, depending on the goal to show that those things are a priority and that they really are important to you. So the actions that you schedule are what you take time to do daily. So it's the simple actions that are done with consistency that allow us to reach our goals. So I know that sounded like a mouthful, but let me kind of walk you through it so it makes sense. So if you, let's say as a student... You may identify that academics is a priority for you. And you're like, okay, I, it it is like my parents said it is, I should be like, it should be a great thing. But then it's like, why is it for you? Right. And sometimes it might just be because my parents said like, my daughter has straight A's because that's one of the things we make her do in order to have the car. So she doesn't really care about the straight A's. Right. But she does care about having the use of the car. And so because of that, that is her why. So it's going to look differently, but let's say your why for making academics a priority is to get a college scholarship. So then you have to say, okay, what are the actions going to be in order for me to be closer, right? To getting that college scholarship. So priority is academics. Your goal may be to get a college scholarship. And let's say you have determined by maintaining a 3.8 or something like that, right? We all just get to make our own. And so what it is, is if I was to take the roof off of your house, or if I was to look down at your life, what are the action steps you are doing to show me and to show you that that thing is a priority? And so they could be a bazillion of different ideas, right? It may just be that if I'm looking in your life, I'm going to notice that between four and six every day, you're at the kitchen table doing your homework. It may be that you um, have decided that if your homework isn't done by 5 p.m., then you don't get to use social media for the rest of the night or like until the homework's done. It may be that you just decided that your bedtime is what's important to make academics a priority. So I'm going to see that you're in bed every night by like 1030 or something like that so that you can wake up on time for school. It may be that at school I'm noticing or you pay attention, right? You're asking questions. You're asking for help. You're getting tutored. You might participate in class. You might have a peer partner that edits your work or checks your homework or helps you out. 
what I would encourage you to do is not do everything I just said, but really constrain to one or two simple action steps. So at the end of the day, you can evaluate what you did towards that priority based on those two or three actions that you've committed to do. And so I think that's lots of times why we get overwhelmed is because we think we have to do all the things, right? We just need to just focus on two little things, three little things that we want to do to show that thing is a priority. And then that way, when we don't do the thing for whatever reason, we can ask ourselves, like, why not? Like, why didn't I get to bed at a certain time? Or why didn't I do my homework? What could I do differently to be more successful? And that those kinds of questions, when you really know what the action steps are, they allow you to identify your obstacles that are key keeping you from getting that action done. And then you can learn from it. And then you can develop strategies to help you be more successful in those areas. I like the learn from it part because I feel like so many of our teens just beat themselves up. Even if you don't have ADHD, it's like the reflection part isn't to think about all the things that you did wrong, but it really is to just learn about, okay, what can, what can I do better? What can I change? Yeah. I like to teach the concept where it's math versus drama. And so if we're going to bed at night and we didn't do those things, our drama brain is like, oh, I suck. I'm so lame. I didn't do that thing. I'm lazy. Right. And it's beating yourself up. But if we can spend most of our life or more of our life in math brain, it's like, oh, I committed to getting to bed at 1030, but I didn't. And here's why. And it's like a friend needed me or a friend was having a hard time. And then instead of being like, I'm lazy, I don't do what I'm supposed to do. I always fail my goals. It's like, no, I really chose to do this thing with my friends. So yeah, I wanted to get to bed at 1030, but I'm proud or I'm okay that I made that choice. So then instead of beating yourself up in the drama brain, you get to stay in that math brain. And that math brain then allows you to really look at your life and look at your choices and know, Hey, are you okay with them? Do you really like the way they're going? Or do you want to do something differently? And what's that obstacle? And so maybe if this is happening over and over and over with a friend and you're not getting your goals done because this friend, you really like the friend, maybe then it's just after 10 o'clock, you don't answer your phone. Because then if you don't answer your phone after 10, then maybe that friend can't reach out to you. And so that allows you to honor you, but also honor your friend and say, Hey, I love you. But like at 10 o'clock, my phone shuts off. So if you need me, we'll talk tomorrow at school. Yeah. I love that. And I love just setting restrictions and boundaries for yourself, because I feel like with the ADH brain, when there's so many distractions, especially on our phones, you can just scroll and scroll and scroll and not notice anything else that's going on around you. So yeah, I think it's really important for not just people or teens with ADHD, but for everybody to set restrictions on your phone and to just know, okay, what my brain can handle, what apps I want sending me notifications, what is too much of a distraction, that kind of thing. Yes. And I love just knowing like how much phone time you're using just so you can be aware, right? Don't beat yourself up or judge, but be like, oh, wow, I'm on it like six hours a day, but I'm at school for six hours and work at six hours and sleeping. Like how, like, what am I doing with my time? And that just allows you again, to be in the drama, the math versus the drama brain and look at the math and be like, okay, do I want to spend this much time? If I don't, what do I want to do differently? What kind of constraints do I want to put? Or, and if I'm okay with it, then you're like, Hey, six hours a day, allows me to still get the goals I want. So I'm okay with it. Then you're not beating yourself up for like constantly quote unquote, always being on your phone. Right. right? So you get to decide, do I like the results I'm getting with that time? And if so, then you get to live in that math brain that just then enjoys the phone if you want it to be on there. And you also get to enjoy the results that you want to get in your life. 
Yeah. On your phone, you can go to screen time and you can see all of that information. You can set restrictions, you can change notifications, all that. So if you are one of those people that needs that to kind of help you and structure your day so you don't get off task or focused on something else, those tools are in your phone so that you can use them. Yes. And you can always also set like just quiet hours on your phone too. So if you know you get distracted between three and five and you really want to be doing your homework, then just put it on quiet hours, right? Or like my phone goes off at nine o'clock every night and it doesn't, no one can notify me. I mean, if I'm on my phone and looking at it, I can get it. But if I put it down, I wouldn't hear it. And then it doesn't turn on till seven. And so that way I have that opportunity to get a good night's rest. Also, I'm not like handling, you know, again, like if someone's calling me at nine o'clock and some kind of stress, it's like my sleep and my schedule is really important. So I can talk to them in the morning. And the best part is lots of times they were able to figure out the problem that they had at the nighttime. And so in the morning, they don't even need me. So I always call it a win-win and a save time. Not that I don't want to be available for people, but Hey, if they can solve their problems while I'm sleeping, then I've just saved time. Yeah. So in closing, tell me what our world would be like without ADHD minds. In ages three to 17, nine out of 100 kids have ADHD. Okay. That's kind of what the research shows. What would the world be like if we didn't have these minds in our society and these ADHD brains weren't a part of our lives? I like to think that the world would be boring and it probably wouldn't be very as like fast paced and inventive or inventive is probably the right word. And just like future thinking. So like I've noticed in my clients and in my husband and my daughters, they're like not afraid to take risks, right? They, they come up with ideas and they're just like, let's just do it. One um, time a client says, it's like, my brain isn't ever telling me no. And I'm like, how amazing is that? Because I'll come up with an idea and my brain tells me all the reasons why it wouldn't work. So my brain's constantly telling me no. So I feel like the musicians and the different people that I work with that are like movie producers and stuff like that. We need that creative brain, that brain. That's just always thinking about how you could put this piece and this piece together. And they really are amazing and fascinating. And so I think the world would be a little boring. A lot of me's around a lot of schedules and type A's or whatever, if we didn't have the give and take. So my kids have been in a lot of musical theater throughout the years. And I've always noticed like they need that creative director, right? That person that just has sees it all, but sometimes that person isn't super organized. And so there's always a person next to them, right. That's like creating the schedule of when you go and what act and how much time and how many clothes. And so like, we need all of that, I believe in order for our life to function and have this really cool play, not our life, but like our world, I might be there and we might be really organized, but would the play be very fun, right? Would it be funny? Would it be silly? Would it be creative? I don't know. So I like to think that if you are beating yourself up on your brain because it has ADHD, please don't, because that is such a, like an important, powerful piece of our world. And we need to have all of your creativity and your wild thinking. And I say wild in like the most amazing way, just like that. They just, they just don't have restrictions sometimes on their limits. And so because of that, they create wonderful inventions and really cool plays and music and all of that good stuff. Yeah. I love that. So I just, I think the main point of this podcast, you've shared so much great information with us today, but 
however your brain is or whatever your brain is like, the world needs you. And there's nothing wrong with your brain. Your brain makes our world exciting. And we need the ADHD brains and we need those minds in our lives because they create variety. Everybody's brain contributes to making the world such a special place. Right. And that's what they say. It's like a symphony, right? We need all of those different pieces in order for the music and the sound to come out and for the world to be what it is. So I think that anyone should not discount the brain that they have because it's serving an important part. And that's part of our goal or our purpose in life is to figure out what makes us tick. What do we really like to do? And then how can we use that to enrich and help other people? Any last words that you want to share with us? I think we did a lot. I think uh, (laughs) brains are going to be like, blah. Um, I did want to mention to your listeners, I did create a free PDF for them. It's just a seven day goal challenge. So even if you don't do the challenge, you're not really interested um, in setting a goal per se. It really contains some incredible information that I think that will allow you to be able to identify maybe some potential challenges. It really allows you to think through the obstacles of your life. Like when you're setting a goal or when you're not getting something done and why are you not doing that? And then identify those, those potential challenges that might keep you from doing it. And then how to really create strategies to complete the goal. So many times we don't hit our goals because we have, we haven't broken them down into like small, simple, actionable steps that then we're not able to notice those obstacles that we keep running into. So once you become aware of your obstacles and your strengths and weaknesses, then you can create the strategies to help you succeed. So check it out, even if you're not interested in a goal, but just to kind of let your brain see what is life throwing at you and how can you be more successful with those things? So you guys, she made you a worksheet. How cool is that? (laughs) Thank you, Siri. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes. Um, If anybody is interested in working with you or knowing more about what you do, how do they find you. I am pretty active over on Instagram. And so if they want to see more of me, get to know more of me, contact me, go to Instagram. It's at organized with an ED. So at organized life.coach. Okay. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here today. We really appreciate you. Thank you for having me. I love the teen population and anything I can do to make their lives more amazing. That is what I love to do. That's why we're here (laughs) helping those teens. All right. We'll talk to you soon, Siri. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Bye. If you are interested in any of my one-on-one coaching programs for teens and their parents, please visit my website, knowingup.com. That's K-N-O-W-I-N-G-U-P.com. 